Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, are you celebrating Christmas this year? Or perhaps you say in your heart, well, we can't, we're not allowed. And yes, I know the regular Christmas celebrations we know and love are not possible this year, and that truly is sad. But are you still celebrating Christmas in your hearts, in your lives? What do we have to celebrate? And yes, of course, we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ on Christmas. But do we really understand the significance of his birth? Do we really grasp it? Why is it worth celebrating? Why is it worth celebrating even though we can't all be together in this building right now and that we can't gather together with friends and family? Well, for that, it's good for us to turn to our text this morning from Luke chapter 2. It's a well-known story. The shepherds watching their flocks by night. And to the shepherds' great surprise, an angel appears announcing the birth of Christ The angel declares, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. The angel brings good news of great joy. And this good news is true, whether we are in the shepherd situation way back in the time of Christ, or whether we're in our situation here in 2020. That's not all that happened in our text, of course. After this message, a multitude of angels appear praising God. It's not just a few angels, not just a dozen. It's a huge crowd of them. It's an army of angels that praises God for Christ's birth. They're celebrating the birth of Jesus and they praise God for it. Perhaps they understood the significance of Christ's birth even better than we do. As we celebrate Christmas this year, we do well to take our cue from the angels in our text. Let us join in their celebrations for the Savior of the world has come and we may rejoice. And so I've summarized the sermon this morning as follows. An army of angels praise God for the birth of our Savior And they proclaim glory to God and peace to men. As you read throughout the Bible, you can see that that oftentimes God makes his people wait. People often had to wait for God. One example that comes to mind is the example of Israel in the book of Exodus when they were in slavery in Egypt. Israel faced centuries of bitter oppression under Pharaoh. They cried out in their suffering, and it seemed like God would never act. But then finally, God did, in his good time. And he appeared to a shepherd. God appeared to a shepherd. He appeared to Moses in the burning bush on Mount Horeb. And God announced that he had come to save his people at last. And it's similar to the coming of the Savior, Jesus Christ. For so many years, the people of Israel, they waited for the Messiah, 
or the Christ to come. This was the promised king, the promised savior. But for so long, God made his people wait, and the people might have wondered, will the Lord keep his promise? Then finally, one day, when the time was just right, God suddenly acted. He sent his very own son to earth. We can read about that in Luke 2, verses 1 to 7. They focus on the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. Mary and Joseph had come to Bethlehem. There was no room for them in the inn. At that time, Jesus was born. They laid him in a manger. And then in verse 8, the scene switches. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. They were watching their flocks by night. There's nothing particularly special about this night for them. They were just doing their regular shepherd duties. Some of them probably slept, and, and some of them guarded the sheep. Some of the sheep probably bleated. Some of the shepherds probably snored. But there it was, a regular night of shepherding the flock. This was, in fact, no regular night. These shepherds were in for a big surprise. Suddenly, an angel appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord had shone around them. And the shepherds reacted as everyone else in Scripture does when confronted with these things. They were terrified. Because the glory of the Lord just overwhelmed them. It, it overwhelmed their senses. The angel said to them, Fear not. Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And then, and then suddenly, if that were not enough, a ginormous group of angels appeared They praised God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now, this is something special. Now, there have been other times in the Bible, also especially in in the Old Testament, where God announced the birth of a child. The Lord appeared to Abraham in Genesis 18, telling him that, that Sarah would have a baby. The angel of the Lord appeared to Samson's parents foretelling the birth of Samson. And also right before Jesus came, just before Jesus came to this earth, the angel Gabriel appeared to Zechariah in the temple to announce the birth of John the Baptist. But never, never had there been so many angels appearing praising God for the birth of a child. And never, never throughout the whole Bible did God the Father create so much fanfare as when this child, the Lord Jesus, was born. You know, there are over 700,000 words in the Bible, and translated into English, that's, that is. 
And all of those words were written down to draw our attention to this person, to this child lying in the manger. All of the Old Testament has been building to this, per, to this birth, and that's why. That's why when this promised child is finally born, God the Father pulls out all the stops. And the army of angels is another indicator to us that Christ is the central message, the central point of the Bible. God is telling us, focus on this child. This is it. This is the one. This is the one we need to put our faith in. One who was born, the one lying in the manger. And God is also showing us through these angels that, that Jesus' birth is worth celebrating. It's worth celebrating like the birth of no other person, no other child. That's because this baby is Christ the Lord. He is God's Son. He is our Savior. He is our King. There is eternal life. There is eternal joy in Him. Now, our text says that there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. And that's, that's a fine translation. But we could also translate those words like this. There appeared with the angel a great number of the army of heaven. In fact, one translations, translation, Bible translation, translates it like this. Suddenly a vast heavenly army appeared with the angel. We could translate it like this because the word host... It often refers to an army. Think of what we read in the book of Exodus about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and his army. Oftentimes we read about how Pharaoh and his host were thrown into the Red Sea. It refers to Pharaoh and his army. And in the Old Testament too, God is often called the Lord of hosts. We could translate that as Lord of the heavenly armies. Here too we have a multitude of the heavenly host or the army of heaven praising God. We often think of angels as gentle creatures and they certainly can be but remember these angels are in God's army. Perhaps the most vivid example of this is from 2 Kings 6. A Syrian army surrounded the city of Dothan. Elisha and his servant were there. And Elisha's servant cried out to Elisha, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And he saw this army surrounded the city. Elisha was not afraid, and he prayed to God, saying, O Lord, please open up his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened his eyes, and suddenly Elisha's servant saw the mountain was full of horses and chariots of, arm, of fire. It's part of God's angelic army, his unbeatable army. And all these angels in Luke 2, part of God's heavenly army, now, they now gave glory to God for the birth of Jesus Christ. And the angels had undoubtedly taken part in many battles like the one in 2 Kings 6. Perhaps there were angels in 2 Kings 6 that also appeared to these shepherds in Luke 2. 
But with the birth of Christ, this was God's very own Son who now came into the world. And the angels watched in admiration and worship as their commander-in-chief took to the field. See, the, the, the very Son of God, who is true God, did, no, did what no angel could do to win the war over sin and death. The Son of God took our nature, our human nature upon himself, and he was going to go solo in the battlefield. He came to suffer and die to defeat our enemies, death and the devil, sin and hell. Well, the angels, they're powerful creatures. Some did extraordinary works in the Bible. Two angels struck men of Sodom with blindness. An angel caused an earthquake when he descended to earth after Jesus rose from the dead. An angel Peter from prison in the middle of the night. But even that power is nothing compared to the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, all things, including these angels, they were created through him. And the Son of God sustains the entire universe, including these shepherds, including these angels, by the word of his power. And yet here he is, a little baby in a manger. His divine nature hidden from our eyes. It's truly amazing. And these angels must have been absolutely awestruck at what God's Son did. That's why they worship and praise God. That's why they're singing glory to God in the highest. This is one reason why they love the Son of God. The, their almighty, infinite, and majestic creator and ours too was made man. We should be an awestruck as well. We should be awestruck as well. Let us praise and worship God also. This is also our creator. This is also our sustainer, a baby in a manger, coming to save us. The angels proclaim glory to God in the highest. See, this is how God gains glory for himself. You know, some people, they don't like the idea of God working for his own glory, but it is good. This is how God gains glory for himself, by doing wondrous, selfless acts like this. God's Son lying in a manger for us. Jesus Christ, Almighty God, Worthy of all worship and praise, and he humbles himself to the uttermost to save us. This is why we glorify our great God. This is why we celebrate Christmas today and every day. Yes, things are different this year. Yes, Christmas this year can't include all the things we would always like to do. But none of that, none of that changes the fact that God the Son stepped in this, into this world to serve us and to save us. 
our God and his wonderful works are the reason for celebrating Christmas this year and every year. That brings us to our next point. Now the angel's song, of course, is it's pretty simple. It's only two long, lines long, but it's still profound. They proclaim not only glory to God, but also peace to men and, and, and women, um, boys and girls. And that's why God gave the particular message to the angels to, to speak to, to the shepherds. Right? The angel said a message straight from God. I tell you good news of great joy. A Savior has been born this day who is Christ the Lord. As the angels put it, he's the Savior who gives us peace. And this doesn't, first of all, mean a peaceful, easy feeling, as the old song goes. No, this is a better peace. A peace between us and God. This is a peace that, that is brought about in our relationship with God through, through Christ and His saving work. It's a peace that comes through the crucifixion of Christ. For that is what our sin deserves. Deserves that punishment. The punishment of the cross. But the Son of God, this is why he came. He came into this world to bear that punishment for us and in our place. And this is a peace won for us by the forgiveness of our sins in Christ's death. And you see this message, too, throughout the Bible. One example is found in Luke 7, just a, a few chapters after our text. There we read about a sinful woman and the Lord Jesus. And this particular woman, we don't know her name, she heard that Jesus was in the house of Simon, the Pharisee. She came there, and she wept wet Jesus' feet with her tears. Then she dried his feet with her hair. Then she kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. She poured out her love for Christ because she knew this was the Savior who came to save people like her. And Jesus said to her, after she showed this great display of affection, Jesus said to her, your sins, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Go in peace. She could go in peace, and yes, that means also a sense of peace in her, in her heart and in her mind. That sense of peace could be there because she could be sure there was a true and lasting peace between her and God through the forgiveness of her sins in Jesus Christ, the Savior. And as those listening to this message, we must understand this. This peace is for everyone who repents and believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you have done. Here I am preaching to a mostly empty church. There's a handful of people here, of course. There's also some beautiful pictures of people in the congregation for which I'm grateful. But most of you today are listening via the live feed. Maybe some of you listening have heard hundreds of sermons. Maybe you've heard a plethora of sermons on this very text. Maybe some of you have tuned in for the very first time. Maybe you've never gone to church before or listened to a Christmas message before in your life. But understand that that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. And he can save you no matter what. The angel sang in our text, On earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. God is pleased. And when we hear those words, we might think that, well, that must only apply to the really good people in this world. People who have done many good deeds, people whom, whom others would typically label as saints. That's not what these words mean. Peace to those with whom God is pleased means that this peace is to whomever God, by his pure and undeserved grace, wishes to forgive his or her sins. God forgives and saves by showering his love and mercy on certain people who deserve the opposite. It's just because he wants to, by his grace. You know, the angel saying on earth, peace among those with whom God is pleased. Remember, what did God the Father say when Jesus Christ was baptized? You are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. And you can be sure that Jesus Christ deserved it. God the Father was well pleased with his son Jesus Christ because he was perfect. Because of his wonderful works, because of who he was, pure and holy and without sin. He was the one who deserved to have peace while he was on earth. Peace between him and God the Father. But what did he get? He got the cross. He got our punishment. And Christ willingly did these things so that we who deserve the cross might have peace with God. And this peace with God is not earned by how many good deeds you have done. This peace is not negated by how many awful deeds you may have done in your life. This peace is won for us by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, God's very own Son. This is beautifully pictured for us in the example of the shepherds, right? They are a living testimony to the fact that God sets his grace on whomever he wishes. Now, these shepherds, they were by no means near the top of the social ladder in Israel. But God chose to send them this good news. 
Not only that, but shepherds, they didn't exactly have the greatest reputation in Israel. People like to socially distance themselves from shepherds. The smell alone would be enough to keep most people away as they live out in the fields with their sheep. But this does not stop God from setting his love on them, setting his grace on them, setting his favor on them. It's not because they were better than anyone else in Israel, no. Simply because God delighted in bringing them this good news and forgiving their sins. You know, these shepherds, they kind of remind me of the days when I worked in the trades. You know, as I worked on various job sites and in welding shops, let's just say that I came across quite a few rough characters. What I appreciated about it was that so many of them, they knew they were sinful and they didn't try hide it. And, and what I mean by that is I'm not delighted that they were embracing a life of sin or something like that. But that they didn't try to hide behind some kind of false ideas of the goodness of man. You know, I've been on many a job site where ACDC's Highway to Hell blared over the radio for all to hear. And sadly, many of those guys, they probably said in their hearts, yeah, that's me. I'm on a highway to hell and I know it. There's no use in trying, so I might as well indulge sin and party while I have the time. You wouldn't believe how many people have that attitude. I remember one time when a young man just kind of shrugged his shoulders and said, you know, there's no saving me. But that's not true. That's simply not true. And if you believe that about yourself, you need to put away those thoughts. Simply repent of your sin, believe in Jesus Christ, all your sins will be wiped out, paid for forever. As the Apostle Paul exclaimed to enough, another rough character, the Philippian jailer in the book of Acts, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. The gospel is for everyone. As the angel said, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. The gospel goes out to everyone the same, and that's because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And all who are saved are saved by the grace of God and Jesus Christ. And this is another reason why in our text the angels give glory and praise to God. Also for his work of salvation to lost sinners. See, the angels here, they're delighting in our salvation. What, is, what does the Lord Jesus say elsewhere in Scripture? When even one sinner repents, there's great rejoicing in heaven. And we see some of that here in our text as these angels praise God for our salvation. The angels have seen the devastating consequences of sin. Remember, Satan and his demons were their fallen angels. And they have made themselves horribly wicked by their rebellion. 
And the angels have seen that, God's angels. And Satan and his demons are responsible for so much of the evil and destruction happening in our world. And when humans, when we fell into sin, we joined the fallen angels' unholy war against God. And for the angels to see God saving us from that wretched slavery is reason for joy and praise indeed. The angels delight in our salvation also because we will spend eternity together with them glorifying God, each in our own unique capabilities. I've often wondered, what will our relationship with the angels look like on the new heavens and the new earth? Now, will you have an angel for a friend? Human and angels both praise God. Will we have mixed choirs of angels and humans? Of course, I don't want to go outside the bounds of Scripture. I don't want to promote speculation, but it seems certain in any case that we will be praising God together with the angels. That being the case, let us take our cue for celebrating Christmas this year from the angels in our text. That's what the shepherds do. They went over to Bethlehem, They found that baby lying in the manger and they went out and they told everyone. They went out and they praised God. For everything everything the angel said was true, just as he had told them. Let us join them as well. For Jesus Christ is not only their Savior, but he is also our Savior. For us who believe in him. Amen.